I know that um, people, if you talk with just about any Christian, they may have struggled in their prayer life. And uh, part of that is that in James chapter 5, it says the prayer of a righteous man avails much. The prayer of a righteous man avails much. So, and I've preached this to you guys for a couple of years, and that is that the devil is trying to get the church to say that we're not righteous. And the, the thought behind that is, so your prayers don't avail. See how sneaky he is? You know, so the church confesses, oh, we're just a bunch of sinners. We're unworthy. We don't mount to anything. And, uh, and we think we're being humble in that. When in reality, it's just not smart. And it's causing the church not to have boldness in our prayer life. It's causing the church not to have boldness in our prayer life. And to think that, who do you think you are that you're going to get your prayer answered? Praise God. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 says this. Before I say that, let me just give you an example. How many of us have said this? You know, don't raise your hand, but uh, I'll raise my hand. You know, you say, Lord, just be with us. You know, and if you're going on vacation, you get people. You call people, hey, I'm going on vacation. Can you just ask the Lord to make sure he's with us on our travels? You know, Lord, be with them as they travel. And, uh, uh, you know, and I'll go someplace and speak and somebody in the church, and and they're being nice. But uh, they'll say, Lord, just be with Pastor Mike as he goes and travels and preaches. And, And, you know, I don't say anything about that. But we need to learn. We have church services, and we sing songs, and we beg God to come. Come, Holy Spirit, I need thee. I don't sing too bad. I may try out for the worship team. Anyway, I wouldn't make it. But anyway, we ask God to come, and we think we're being humble in that. We ask God to, to the Holy Spirit to come. Hebrews 13.5 says, let your character or moral disposition be free from the love of money, including greed, avarice, lust, and craving for earthly possessions. And be satisfied with your present circumstance with what you have. For he, God, himself has said, God has said this, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not. I will not in any degree leave you helpless nor forsake nor let you down. Relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. The King James Version doesn't say it like this, but that phrase, I will not, I will not. It's not just reiterating. That is the best way the English translators could translate the Greek phrase to mean there was no way to say it in English. And so the English version of of how strong the Greek word meant, I will not, I will not, I will not leave you. So that's why it was interpreted this way. And so we have prayers that, Lord, don't just come. You know, David prayed this in Psalms, and so people think, 
that, you know, I'm going to pray what David prayed. He said, you know, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. We have to realize what happened at the cross. You know, you don't just know about the cross at Easter time. You have to realize what happened at the cross. What happened at the cross? Everything changed. And when I mean everything, I mean everything about our relationship with God, how we serve God as Father. The Jewish people got so mad at Jesus because he called God Father. Nobody called God Father before the cross. After the cross, he is Father. But Jesus came to show that, hey, he's not just God, he's Father. He's Father. So we have people, you know, that all of us have done that. We've, we've begged the Lord to forgive us. I remember in 1977 when I joined the military, I, I, I did some things. And so I begged God for months, not weeks, not days. I begged God for months to forgive me. God, we, in a few days would go by, God, you know, I just, I just want you to know how sorry I am. And I just want you to know to forgive me, just, just making sure, you know, don't want to go to hell. So just please forgive me, you know, begging God to forgive me. We pray such prayers of unbelief and doubt. And we make prayers of declaration that caused God to look horrible, to look bad. I'm telling you that Jesus has said that, and we said this last week, that God is not counting any of our sins against us, 2 Corinthians 5, 19. He's not counting our sins against us. Yet we're begging him to forgive us when he says, I'm not holding it against you. Hebrews 13, 6, the Passion Translation says this. So we can say with great confidence, I know the Lord is for me. I'm going to stop right there. If you don't get anything out of this sermon, you need to get that. You need to know that God is for you and not against you. Most Christians think that when they do wrong or mess up, then God is not really for them anymore. And so there's no confidence. And guess what? When you think that, are you going to have confidence in your prayer life? Absolutely not. You won't even feel like praying. People stay away from church. People stay away from the throne room of God when they mess up because they don't have any confidence because they don't believe that the Lord is with them. He says, I know. Everybody say, I know. know. You need to know this. You need to know that the Lord is for me. I will never be afraid of what people may do to me. So many times in my past, I would go before the Father in an unworthy attitude. Which in reality is nothing but a stinking manure smell before God. You say, well, I just want to make sure I stay humble. That is not humility. That is not humility. Matter of fact, it's reverse pride on your part. It is. Because you don't know what Jesus has done for you and who's living inside of you. 
There's so many prayers that, you know, I just want to knock them in the head today so you and I won't ever pray these again. Have you ever prayed, uh, don't raise your hand, but have you ever prayed, you know, I'm just going to take authority of all the demonic spirits in the heavenly places and just cast down these demons up in that are in the heavens and, and I got to clear the way for my prayer to get to heaven. I remember going to, a, it was when we first moved to Pueblo and I went to a big gathering prayer, citywide movement, and the majority of the prayer meeting was taking authority over the alcoholic spirit, uh, the adultery spirit, and taking authority over, at that time we didn't have pot, but, well we had it, but it wasn't legal, but I mean, um, you know, today you could hear people saying, well let's take authority over, over the weed spirit. I'm sorry, but it's just funny. It's, it's a shame that Jesus didn't know how to pray like that. Because you don't read where Jesus says, I'm going to take authority over all of the spirits. I'm going to take authority over all the alcoholic spirits so we'll never have an alcoholic again. But he didn't pray that. I wonder why. Hallelujah. We just need to know. We need to know to pray from the right position that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's where your prayer comes from. It doesn't come from a place of defeat. Your prayer comes from a place of victory. That'll change your whole attitude of begging. It'll change your whole attitude of unworthiness. God considers you so worthy that he sent Jesus to die for you. That's how valuable you truly are. People say, I'm just not very valuable. Well, you know, that's like me buying you something that's really expensive, and you go, well, it's not really that much. I go, well, thank you. I sure appreciate that. That's what we're saying to God the Father. Well, I'm just unworthy, and it's not, I'm not really worth all of that. God says you are because he sent Jesus to die for you. You know, when you hear people say, oh, let's just, we got to get a hold of, the, run the heavens and, and, and come down, Father. Because it says that in Isaiah 64, verse 1, 2, round in there. Isaiah 64, it, that was a prayer. Run the heavens and come down. And so we get all ooky spooky spiritual, and we pray that. Lord, we just run the heavens, and we're asking you to come down. He's going to say, I already did. 2,000 years ago. It's a done deal. I'm not saying this to make anybody feel condemned. I'm saying this so we can elevate our prayer life to get better results. Do you want better results? I know I want better results. Do you know you can pray and believe God to where every single prayer is answered? And I don't mean what a lot of people say, well, I know my prayers are answered too. He says no all the time. No, that's not what we're saying. Words reveal your attitudes. And if you see God as an adversary, you're praying from the wrong position. And you're praying in doubt and unbelief. And you're not going to get results in your life. God is not against you. He is for you. You can't, we have to get out of this mentality that God is against us. 
Pastor, you just don't know my life, you know. I mean, you're a pastor, so pastors always get their prayers answered because you're a pastor. Yeah, that's in where in the Bible? No, it's not there. My point is this, is that you know what you're saying? That what Jesus did was not good enough for you. It's good enough for me because I'm a pastor, but obviously it's not good enough for you. If you're visiting, we make things real plain around here. So there's no gray area. Praying God to do something. God, I just need you to do this. And we twist his arm. If you do this, God, I'll do this. Negotiating with God. I mean, I'll go to church every Sunday if you do this, God. So God goes, oh, okay, then I'll do it. Matthew chapter 7, verse 8 through 11 says, For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Man. Well, if he likes snakes, maybe you do. I don't know. But anyway, verse 11, so if, you're sin, so if you, sinful people, know how to give good gifts to your children. That's okay. I've, I, I have messed up with my words a lot of times. How much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts? How much what? How much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? you got to know that your heavenly Father is a lot better than any perfect father on this planet and let me say this was also pre-cross because after the cross in second peter 1 3 it says i have given you all things that pertain to life and to godliness so and this is why i said matthew mark luke and john and and it sucked all the oxygen out last week but i said matthew mark luke and john are still part of the old covenant the cross and the resurrection is where the new covenant starts so it's part of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are part of the New Testament, but they are part of the Old Covenant. It's just good to know that because Jesus dealt with people. He dealt with uh, the sinners, the prostitutes, the tax collectors by grace according to the covenant that he was about to do. And to show how good God was. He dealt with the Pharisees, Sadducees, and all the religious people by law. So if you are listening to Jesus while he's talking to the law people, you'll misunderstand him. You'll misunderstand him. Okay. You need to understand your Heavenly Father as nothing but the most awesome Father in the world. You need to believe that. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says this. It was God personally present in Christ, reconciling, restoring the world to favor with himself, not counting up or holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them and committing to us the message of reconciliation for the restoration to favor 
What does all that mean? God's not counting your sins against this, but he is saying right now, because of what Jesus has done, you have 100% favor with God. That's good news. I don't have to try to get favor. All I need to is to believe that I have favor. Everybody has it, but it's only going to work for those who believe it. Just like Jesus paid for the sins of the whole world. Everybody's sins are forgiven. Do you realize that? But it only goes to the ones who believe it. It's the same way with the favor of God. I don't have more favor because I'm a pastor than you or anybody else. The ones who have favor has been given to every single person on the planet, but it's going to be manifested to the ones who believe it. I have the favor of God. I'm the righteousness of God. There's nothing we can do to make God more inclined to move than what Jesus has already done. I want to let that sink in. Because we think, I need to do something to get God to move on my behalf. I really need to get him to really move. This is a serious thing. And if there's a stack of prayer requests on his desk, I want mine to be on top. Do you realize there's nothing more than you can do than what Jesus has done? There's two things to understand about prayer and to get your prayers answered. First of all, to understand, listen to this now, God answers your prayers based upon Jesus and not you. God answers your prayers based upon what Jesus has done and not what you have done. The part that you and I play, we do have a part to play, and our part is to believe. If you believe and you understand that what Jesus has done, your prayers are going to get answered. They are. Mark 11, 23 and 24, 24 says this. It says that Mark eleven twenty three 23 is basically, it's not even talking about prayer. It's about you taking authority. The authority has been given to you and talking to your mountain. Most people talk to God about their mountain. God wants you to talk to your mountain about God. And so Matthew or Mark eleven twenty three says this, but then Mark eleven twenty four says, when you stand praying, believe that you receive. So what is our part? To believe that we receive. That's my part and your part. God's part was to get Jesus onto this planet and to pay the price so that everything can be done for you and me because we couldn't do it. We couldn't live a holy life. We couldn't live a perfect life. We couldn't obey God and dot every I and cross every T. We couldn't do all that, and God knew that. So he says, I'm going to send you somebody who's going to become a man, and that man will do it perfectly. Hallelujah. So we're going to finish Matthew, the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13. And this is... You know, and I've had some people say some things about this. You know, when I said this is not a new covenant prayer, the Lord's Prayer, I'm not, I don't mean to be uh, knocking it because, like I said, I've heard people pray that that were not even Christian and uh, they pray that. And, uh, but I want you and me 
to realize that the Lord's Prayer, as it was, we've been pointing out some things that, uh, there again, it's before the cross. It's before the cross. But there, the principles that are in this prayer, I'm not saying they're not good and you can just throw it away. It's, I'm not trying to um, dishonor it, but you need to know. So I'm letting you know. In verse 9, we talked about this, that it says, Our Father, our Father. This is why you and I need to understand God as Father. Jesus came to show us the Father. Came to show us that how good he is. He is the Father being manifested when Jesus walked on this planet. You know, and that's when, you know, when people are trying to get rid of all the demons in, in the heavens because, you know, Daniel, if you, if you study the book of Daniel, Daniel, the, there was a demon that hindered the prayer. You remember that? And so uh, the prayer of Daniel was hindered. And so people now, that, how many know that was before the cross? But after the cross, this is going to be a revelation. You're going to be glad you came on daylight savings time, first day. You're going to be glad you came right after this. Are you ready? Your prayers don't need to get to heaven. You know, I've said this before, even when I was a pastor. Oh, God, the, the heavens, they just feel like brass, and my prayers aren't getting higher than the ceiling. And it sounded so spiritual, and I was so stupid. <laughs> Listen to me now. Are you ready? First of all, you know, we, we say that Jesus, when you get born again, he comes and dwells inside of you. How many know, though, that the God that we serve is Trinity, which means that they're one God, so if you get Jesus, it's a package deal. I get Jesus, I get my Father, and I get the Holy Ghost because they're all three. So no longer do I have to be concerned about my prayer going and God hearing it in heaven when I understand and realize that he is in there. So that's why I say, you can say, you know, that's why you bow your head because you're talking to your Father right there. <laughs> father. He's inside of you. You don't have to worry about a demon. Listen to me now. You don't have to worry about a demon withholding your prayer. You don't have to worry about, you know, your, your prayer not getting up to the ceiling. You don't, you don't have, it doesn't have to even get anywhere. It's in you. He's in you. So you talk to your father right there. King Kong didn't have anything on me. But anyway, but that's what you need to understand. We just need to get rid of this religious stuff that we've believed and been taught and understand that prayer is not a difficult thing. Getting a hold of God is not a difficult thing. It's not difficult to get the ear of the Father when he's right inside of you. Come on now. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm not going to go back, but if you weren't here last week and you listened to it online, if you want to know what the will of God is, find out what the will is going on in heaven, and that's what he wants done in your life. That's what he wants done in Pueblo, Colorado. The same will is in heaven. It's the same will he wants down here in Pueblo. All right. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. We forgive our debtors. We talked about all of that last week. 
For God was in, we said this, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And we said that in 2 Corinthians 5, 19, that he's no longer counting our sins against us. So that right there tells us this, this prayer is not a new covenant prayer. Verse 12, or 13, we're on 13. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. What is this? Don't lead us into temptation. God is not the source of temptation. God is never going to tempt you to sin. It says that in James 1.13, that no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted from God. For God is incapable, incapable of being tempted by what is evil, and he himself tempts no one. God's not going to, you know, tempt you to try to sin. You know, well, God's just testing me here. You know, I used to have a drinking problem, and so now I got all this free booze advertising. No, no God, and God is just testing me. No, God is not doing that. He's not. In 1 John 3, 8, it says, He who commits sin, who practices evil doing, is of the devil, takes his character from the evil one. For the devil has sinned, violated the divine law from the beginning. The reason the Son of God was made manifest, visible, was to undo, destroy, loosen, dissolve the works of the devil has done. So where it says that Pray for that, the, how is it worded exactly? But deliver us from the evil one. I'm delivered from the evil one. I don't have to pray that. That is an old covenant prayer. After the cross and you get born again, you are delivered from the evil one. You don't have to worry about, you know, I got born again, but I just really, I'm just really believing that I'll be delivered from the evil one. There again, you're, that's just a, a prayer of doubt and unbelief. Before the cross, they needed to be delivered from the evil one. After the cross, you want to get delivered from the evil one? Get born again. You get delivered real quick. Once you're born again, sin is no longer an issue in your life. The devil is no longer. Now, you can get your mind renewed. It's the biggest thing you and I have to do because the devil will put thoughts in your mind and he'll say, this is the real you. And so that's where you combat the devil is in between your ears. But as far as what's been accomplished, you are delivered. God wants you to know that as far as him saying, pray that you, you won't be tempted. He wants you to understand that God will guide you the closer you understand the word of God, the more you will realize that when temptation comes, the Lord will guide you around it, through it, on top of it. He'll get you to the other side. He will get you to the other side. John chapter 16, I say this probably more than anything as far as quoting. I said, the Holy Ghost leads me and guides me into all truth, and he shows me things to come. I'm being led even when I don't know that or don't, you know, I, I don't hear Mike do this. I do it because 1 Corinthians 6, 17, he that is joined to the Lord is 
one spirit. So when I hear something like that, it's not just Mike hearing it or Mike saying it. It's Jesus inside of me saying it. It's the Father inside of me saying it. It's the Holy Ghost inside of me saying it because we are all one. You know, most religious people think that's blasphemy almost. And that's why Jesus, when he talked strong and he spoke boldly, people said, we've never heard anybody speak like this. Why? Because he was getting the people to say, this is my father and what he's like. So now we have a new covenant church and we have the same kind of people saying, oh, no, you can't say it like that. No, I can't say it because I have been made one with Jesus. We're one. We're inseparable. Everybody that has given their life to Jesus is one with the Messiah. They are one with the Heavenly Father. They are one with the Holy Ghost. Even when you mess up, you don't get separated. You know, it's like Paul used a lot of illustration about being married. You know, if, if you mess up or cause your wife to get ticked off of you, you don't say, okay, well, we're done. You burn my toast, and I'm through. <laughs> but yet we think that way when something we do wrong, that now there's a separation between us and our Heavenly Father. When in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, it says, I will not, I will not, I will not in any way forsake you or, or leave you helpless. I will not. And there's no but after that, but if you really mess up, but if you really sin. But no, it's just a, a command statement saying, I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. You cannot get rid of me, period. You know what that will do to your prayer life with that kind of understanding and attitude in your heart? You'll get your prayers answered a lot more than what you've ever have in your past. Because most people come to, the, to, you know, to God, the Father, like, I'm here. And I've really messed up, so I'm just going to make this quick, okay? I'm going to get in and get out in case lightning strikes or something happens. We don't really understand the attitude that we're, we're portraying. Because your words tell on you what your true attitude is toward God. Your words do that. And so, obviously, we use words in our prayer life, so our prayers tell on us what kind of attitude we truly do have with the Father. Unworthiness, having an unworthy attitude. Or an attitude like, you know, people do this. You know, I'm a pastor. So they say, Pastor, you know, I want you to pray for me. And I go, well, you've you, you been praying? No, no. I, I want you to pray because I know God hears you. I, he, you know, I, 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 not me because I'm not like you. So I need you, you to pray because I know God hears you. Do you realize what you're saying? Listen to me. You're saying that what Jesus did was good enough for me, but what he did was really not good enough for you. I'm just making it plain. You're going to pray different after today. And you're going to get a lot more prayers answered after today.
Because this attitude of unworthiness, this attitude that God won't do it, or he doesn't really want to do it for me, so I've got to convince him. You know, sometimes we have all-night prayer meetings so we can convince God that we're really serious about this and we really want him to answer this. In just case he didn't know. Of course, the Bible says he knows what you need even before you ask for it. But, you know, we have to inform God because he could be hard of hearing. He's been up there for a long time. So we have to inform him how bad this situation is in case he doesn't know. So in 1 John 3, 8, it says that the, the works of the devil have been destroyed. 1 John 3, 9, whoever, whoever has been born of God does not sin. Does that just make you stop and oxygen gets sucked out of your lungs or what? Whoever's been born of God does not sin. You think, well, I'm not born of God because I've sinned today. <laughs> Not too long ago, <laughs> on the way to church, we'll just make it more and more plain till you get a hold of this. So I must not have been born of God. But in all reality, you, you got to understand that can't be what it says because that means nobody's making it. Nobody is. So what does this mean? Whoever's been born of God does not sin for his seed. The seed of God remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. So what does this mean? You have to understand that you are a three-part being. You are one, but you are three parts. The real you is the spiritual you, a spiritual being inside of you. And you live in this body, and you possess a soul. It's kind of like if we all went to outer space, we would all get a space suit. The space suit is not the real you. The space suit is not the real you. But we look at one another and how everybody responds to us is that's the real them. That's not the real them. It's just their earth suit. But the real you is the spiritual man. Listen to me. I've heard this and I thought, yeah, I know that. But the Lord says, you don't know that. He says, you need to see yourself. The way that I see you, and I see you just like Jesus. The real you, the spiritual man. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, that's when you get born again, old things have passed away, every single thing becomes new. What does that mean? The spiritual man that was inside of you died. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. That's the dead man. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it's not I that liveth. It is Christ in me. It is Christ in me. So the old man is dead, and God puts in a brand new spiritual being that never existed before. One translation puts it this way. It says that I become a new species that never existed. So when you get born again, you're brand spanking new. And listen, you're perfect. You're perfect. Do you think 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him? Do you think God is going to join himself with something that is made of sin or not perfect? 
Follow the dots. Now connect these dots. So if he's connected and made himself one with you, he cannot connect himself with Satan or a sin or anything to do with a curse. So when you get born again, you are perfect and you will never become more perfect even when you get to heaven than you are the very second that you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll never, you won't improve. Your spiritual man will never improve. Just keep hearing this because some of you are going... <coughs> I said, you'll never improve. You've become one with Jesus. You cannot sin from that point on in your spiritual being. That's why whoever's been born of God does not sin. I sin in my flesh. I sin in my soul. But my spirit man, the real Mike Davis, is the spiritual man Ever since I've been born again, I've never sinned. So the devil goes, oh, you're this or you're this. Excuse me. You just haven't gotten the right snapshot of me. Because, you see, if you're just taking a snapshot of all these sins you're talking about, the real snapshot is me, Jesus, and God the Father, and God the Holy Ghost. You probably missed that picture, but we're all one. You missed that video shooting. I've been made one with him. I'm perfect before him. Why is this all important? Because if you understand that, the Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. What does a lion do? I mean, man, lions are so cool. They, they roar and let you know, I'm coming. They don't sneak around. They don't, you know, try to get their prey by sneaking. They just know, I'm the biggest, baddest dude, and I'm going to eat you. <laughs> and there's nothing you can do about it. Nothing you can do about it. I'm bold as a lion. He says the righteous are as bold as a lion. Why do we need this kind of teaching? Because you need your prayers answered, and you can get every single one of them done when you know that you've been one with the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no sin that can hinder you, and you are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I'm getting every prayer answered. I'm getting every prayer answered. And it's not based upon Mike Davis. It's not based upon my faults and, and performance and shortcomings and my sins and my idiotic things that I do. It's based upon Jesus Christ and him alone. I'm getting them answered, devil. You messed with the wrong guy when you mess with Jesus, and he's in me. Come on now. You'll get your prayers answered. But the devil will say, you know what you did last night? You know what you did last week? You think you're going to get your prayer answered? Yes, I do. Matter of fact, I know I will. I have boldness because of him. I have boldness because of him. I have boldness because of him. Quit looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, yeah, that guy right there. No, you don't see that guy right there. Mike is a brand spanking new spiritual man that is perfect before God. And God says, you don't see yourself right. You see yourself right? It'd be easy to walk in healing. It'd be easy to walk in prosperity and having every need met. It'd be easy to walk in all of the... That's why in Corinthians it says all of the promises are yes and how can that be for everybody to just to be yes and amen? 
because of him. It's because of Jesus. It's not based upon anything that Mike can do to get. I got to get really good because, you know, I got, got a promotion. They said it's coming up, so I got to start, you know, I got to really act right and get right before God and just got to do this because, you know, I'm going to pray about that. And so I got to just do this. And, yeah, yep, 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 okay. So this is what we're saying. My prayer is going to be answered based upon my righteousness and what I can do. That is a stench in the nostrils of God because that's self-righteousness. You cannot get your prayers answered based upon you, period. 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 I said, period. You can't get your prayers answered based upon. Oh, man. No, I had to get mics taken out out of the equation. The only thing that you and I are put in the equation is, do you believe it? you believe it then it's a done deal because God's not God says I've given it it's all right it's I've taken care of this I don't have to twist his arm don't have to beg him I've been delivered I've been set free and I have been blessed can you say amen he says and then at the end of the Lord's prayer he says for yours is the kingdom the power and the glory forever amen so when you're going to talk to God, communion with your Father, tap on a thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that. I'm believing for this promotion. I'm believing for a great job. And, but I tell you what, I just, I'm thankful that, you know what, no matter what, my provision is not in any job. I'm thanking you that you are my provider and that you're going to give me the greatest job no matter what. So you just start being thankful to God at the end. And I tell you what, you know, faith will just start rising up within you. And then it's easy to believe when you got faith rising up within you. And you think, yeah, I got this job. And if they're dumb enough not to hire me, somebody's going to give me a better one. So I don't know what's going on here, but I'm going to be blessed because I got Jesus on the inside of me. Let's stand.